Today on Locked On, Anaheim Ducks, a conversation with Nick Hamilton about the current state of hockey and how it relates to our current state of the world. All of this on today's Locked On, Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you thought we got into it on Friday, you ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome everyone to Locked On, Anaheim Ducks, presented by Built Bar. I'm your humble host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, and I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to interview today's special guest, who you can hear weekly on AM570 KLAC, and see occasionally on various TV outlets, including NBC4. Before we get into that interview, you can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you hear your daily podcasts. Ducks fans. I know we're in a very troubling time, not only in Southern California, but nationwide. With the protests continuing as a consequence of the needless murder of George Floyd, I wanted to tackle this troubling topic head-on with regards to hockey, sports in general, and the national discourse taking place right now. There is anger, suffering, and utter chaos taking place in our country. But now is not the time to be divided. Now is the time to come together, and hopefully tackling racism head-on will help with that. Ladies and gentlemen, I now present to you my conversation with Nick Hamilton and encourage you to listen all the way through. So take a listen. Thank you very much. All right, I'd like to welcome our special guest for today. I'd like to welcome Nick Hamilton. Uh, Nick Hamilton, if you live in SoCal, you may have seen him on the airwaves. Nick, he's been on. What have you been on? You've been on Going Rogan more than a few times. You have your own show, yes? Yeah, I'm on a radio show, uh, Morning After with Nick Hamilton, which is every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, and it's also on all streaming platforms. Um, I'm also the, uh, one of the hosts on the Opposite Reaction podcast. Uh, that comes out every Tuesday. Uh, also on all streaming platforms, and um, you catch me weekly on AM570 as a guest analyst. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, first off, I just want to make sure that you know you and your family are safe right now because you know we're in LA County and we're kind of in lockdown right yeah. now. Yeah, so far so good. Everybody's everybody's cool. Everybody's laying low and uh, just trying to get through everything the best way we know how. So with everything going on in our current world, there's so much I want to cover with you and get your take on a couple topics and get your overall opinion on our societal distress, I guess is the best way I'll put it. But first off, since this is a hockey podcast, I really do want to have a discussion about the already inherent racism in the sport. And while there is the apparent motto that quote hockey is for everyone, countless incidents have arisen in the league and sport for that matter that tell us otherwise. For example, there was the ugly incident earlier this year that took place just down the street in Ontario where a Bakersfield Condors player, yeah, he called Boko Amama a racial slur on the ice. And that sparked a lot of controversy as well. And then Akeem Aliu, who's a Kings prospect, he recently came out with an article on the Players' Tribune saying straight up that hockey is not for everyone. And I just kind of want to get your take on all that in regards to I guess the racial tensions in the sport of hockey. If you, if you can speak on that at all. 
You know, I mean, absolutely. I mean, when you look at what their demographic is and who they cater to, it, it doesn't seem that the NHL caters to a more diverse audience like you see in the NBA or like you see in the NFL um, or even Major League Baseball from time to time. Uh, is primarily, I mean, hockey is a core audience. They're dedicated fans. Um, they're very passionate fans, but they're not too many fans that look like me, meaning they're not too many fans that are black or brown. Um, that they that they cater to, and so there's there is um, a little higher level of racism. Um, so I'm not surprised at all when you hear a lot of the hockey players complaining of uh, being told racial slurs, uh, being uh, racially profiled when it comes to going in various arenas. And again, I've always said that you know hockey, uh, when you go through different arenas, you know fans have a right to. Uh, you know, say certain things, but when you cross the line racially or you say something that is homophobic, that's when the problem lies. And I think the NHL needs to do a much better job of tackling the issue um, as far as being more aware that there needs to be more racial diversity, especially needs to be more racial diversity, not just in the sport, but also on the media side of things, because there's not enough, uh, you know, black uh, media journalists that get the opportunities to cover NHL teams that actually know the sport, that are actually passionate about the sport, um, and be able to disseminate that to a wider audience. Uh, because when you think about the power of what black media has and, you know, Latino, Latino uh, owned media, um, there's a huge demographic that the NHL simply has uh, appeared to neglect. And so when you have that type of problem, we are the ones that can bridge the gap between the fan base that happens to be that is not often targeted versus the fan base that is targeted. Uh, so I think there needs to be diversity on both sides, on the ice and in the in the media booth. My conversation with Nick Hamilton will continue after the first intermission. But first, I want to tell you all about our sponsor, Built Bar. With over a dozen flavors to choose from, you're sure to find the flavor that's right for you, whether it's mint brownie or double chocolate mousse. With all the protests going on, maybe you need that extra boost to march peacefully and respectfully, if you so choose. Most nut-free bars contain only 4 grams of sugar, 15 grams of protein, and are only 110 calories. So they are not only very healthy, but they taste like a candy bar. They're delicious. So if you want to try a sample box for yourself, go over to BuiltBox.com and use promo code locked on to get $10 off your first order. Once again, that's B U I L T B A R.com and enter promo code locked on to get $10 off your first order. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the land. And coming up after the first intermission, more with Nick Hamilton. Stay locked in. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up uh, the Latino side as well, because I had an interview with the Spanish announcer for the Ducks, and he said the same thing, that it took them 26 years to finally get their first Latin or Spanish language game after that long. And that's 26 years too late, because this Southern California is a very strong Latino community. It's a very strong Black community. It's a very diverse community. So I feel like we should have more of that as well. Earlier this week, Evander Kane, he went on first take on 
ESPN. And he had some very harsh words to say about the league and some very harsh words saying that the Canadian media, they don't talk much about it when it comes to black athletes. And it's kind of disgraceful um, to what Evander Kane had to say about it. He also said that he needs more teammates that are white to speak out. So, I mean, what do you make of what Evander Kane said there? I mean, I think he's absolutely right. I mean, that's how he feels. Obviously, he's been a part of it. Obviously, he's seen it. Unfortunately, he's had to experience that. Uh, so when you look at when what he has done um, in the sport of hockey and what he's had to deal with, um, the, the being ignored from time to time, uh, not getting his just due, and I'm sure it's not just him. It's, it's you know several other players uh, in the National Hockey League in that port and that in not only in that region but in the United States that haven't got there just do that that are excellent players. And I think that's another thing that the NHL needs to tackle and address as far as again, as I said earlier, you know, that the lack of uh diversity, the lack of being able to, you know, introduce your sport to a different demographic. You know, it's it's great that you have a core audience, but you should always want to grow your audience. You should always want to make sure that you are appealing to various audiences because as you said just now when you go into certain markets like Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, these are major cities. These are major markets. These are the number one, number two, and number three markets that have a diverse group of people that come from all backgrounds and all walks of life. And so you have to be able to introduce the sport because especially in the black community, you know, it's not to me black people that do play hockey because for one, uh, based upon some of the socioeconomic conditions, um, it's very expensive sport to play. So you have to do, I believe the NHL needs to do a better job of introducing the sport to even young kids that happen to be black or Latino or of certain class backgrounds, much like how we see the MLB um, with the, you know, RBI academies across the country um, in various communities that service um, low-line communities and introduce the game of baseball where they are able to pay for uniforms, they're able to have tournaments, they're able to, you know, cross-promote and expose kids uh, to different walks of life and being able to play the, the the game of baseball from the right the right way, and I think hockey needs to take a page out of MLB's book when it comes to to introducing the sport to not only a different demographic but a younger audience as well. So we need to see more inner city programs, is what you're saying. You know, not just oh, ice hockey, but maybe roller hockey too. Roller hockey, ice hockey. I mean, you got to you have to expose kids to different things. I mean. Usually in the black, you know, the black community, usually in playing, you know, basketball, football, maybe you run track, um, you know, but we need to be exposed to more. We need to be exposed to more baseball. Uh, you know, baseball got away from it for so long. I mean, they're trying to make steps to get back into it, but they have a, a, a large margin to to make up. Um, but they're they're actually taking the the efforts to do that. But with the NHL, they need, like I said, they need to do the same thing because we see so much lack of diversity um, on the ice. You know, and there are a lot of players, you know, when I was young, I played. I was fortunate enough to play. But at the same time, there was a place where, you know, our team got sponsored. So I was able to play. Um, and they need to have an opportunity where some of these teams get sponsored. You know, certain maybe certain NHL players or maybe – you know, some of these corporations or these advertisers can sponsor some of these kids' teams so they have an opportunity not have to worry about paying for equipment but just focus on being the very best they can be on the ice. Uh, you said you played as a kid. Um, I'm just curious now where you played, if you want to give them a shout-out. 
I mean, it's no longer there, but uh, the Culver City Ice Rink. Oh man, I vaguely remember Culver City. I mean, I, I mean, one of one of my favorite places. It used to be a favorite place of mine. Was Valencia? They just closed down. That was a fun place to play. Once I heard about I, that. I never played there, but I, I used to hear I used to hear stories about that. Yeah, the ice the ice could have been better. Uh, there's even yeah. a place out here. And I will I will give them a shout. Uh, I call it the barn, but it's the Ontario Ice Skating Center. And there's a team that plays there, the Ontario Moose, and they're finally starting to be more diverse in their playing. And they've got a few black kids on their youth team, on their 12U team, that are very, very, very talented. So it's good that some programs are starting to come around. But when I think about youth programs, I think about the Willie O'Ree documentary that came out three months ago now. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, but Willie O'Ree's documentary, very well done. One of my favorite good documentaries that came out. He still volunteers at a place called Ice Hockey in Harlem where they're trying to do exactly what you said. They're trying so hard, but it's very difficult out there. Yeah, I can imagine so when you're probably one of the few cities that does it. I mean, and it does need the backing of the NHL more so. Uh, I think when you have the backing of, you know, major uh, sports entity like the NHL, I think things can go a little smoother too. Um, Again, I don't know who's in charge of that, but whoever is, he can do a better job of getting the word out. Uh, because, you know, in society, we're going to continue to be diverse. Um, and that's why hockey is not the most popular sport um, when you think about the top sports in the country that people are able to watch. Uh, when you think about the top sports, you think of the NFL, you think of the NBA, you think of college football. Um, and there's a reason for that, because they're engaging. Um, they're, you, they, they, they make themselves marketable. Uh, they make themselves available and they're more diverse. So just uh, one last question on that particular topic. What more do you think the NHL needs to do to get the voice out there? Do you think maybe they should market their minority athletes more? I think they should market all athletes, but I think what they should do in in addition to that is start making their athletes available and more marketable. Um, Again, as I said earlier, I think they need to make sure they they institute a program much like MLB is instituted across the country. Uh, Even if they have to take maybe, you know, the the, the biggest, you know, the top 10 cities and, and start there and then seeing the, the growth and development in those top 10 cities, and then maybe uh, market it even more so, maybe another five more cities, and then add five more cities on top of that. So they're able to get, you know, a, a league in every market uh, that they're that they're stationed in uh, to, to spread the word about the game of hockey, because I think it's a great game. Uh, but if not enough people know about it, you know, that's where it comes up short. And that's really unfortunate, because there's kids that need to be exposed to different things and have the opportunity to be exposed to different things uh, outside of what we normally are accustomed to. So I think the NHL needs to do a much better job and just step the game up and um, take the initiative to, you know, try some things out. I mean, they have nothing to lose. They have everything to gain if this thing is, is a successful program. And what about some of the athletes that are in it now that are, I guess, for lack of a better term, they're kind of being outed as being racist. I mean, what do you do about the players that are currently in the league? Because as I mentioned, there's been incidents this year still. This is still happening in 2020. I think you're going to get that until the NHL starts to get take a firmer stand on racism um, for and, and racist fans that make those type of remarks um, and really start to throw their support around 
uh, not only the, just the, the black players, but the other the players that are that are, that are white or Canadian, um, you know, starts having them throw their support around their fellow teammates or their fellow players. Um, when you start doing that, and you start showing solidarity. It's a trickle down effect to most, not all, but to quite a few. Uh, fans will probably get the message, look, we're not going to tolerate this. We're not going to tolerate the disrespect. We're not going to tolerate the racism. Uh, we are one family. Even though we may play on different teams, we're still one family. We're still players, and we still love this game. You know, a black player doesn't love the game any less or give less of an effort than a white player or somebody from Canada or anything of that nature. Everybody gives 110% and plays this game. They have to. They they, they, they wouldn't be here if they didn't have the skill set. Um so I think that has to be disseminated to the fan base and disseminated to people in general um, about the sport of hockey and how the NHL is going to take a, a bold stand. Um, you know, I saw something uh, earlier today about the LA Kings making a statement about um, the unfortunate murder of, you know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Amon Aubrey, uh, who were murdered at the hands of, of, of police um, and, and, you know, uh, some white supremacists that, you know, gunned down uh, Amon Aubrey. So I think you need to take a bolder stand. I think that's a great step, but I think you need to go a step further and protect their players uh, as well and have the same vigor and the same enthusiasm as they did writing that message and making sure that message was properly uh, put out there. They have to send the same message as it, as it pertains to their players. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm glad that the Kings and the Ducks both put out statements earlier Sunday that frankly needed to be put out sooner, but that's my opinion. I, I kind of want to stray away from hockey and just go right into it as far as everything going on in our world right now. So on Friday, I kind of quoted as saying that this rhetoric going on, I called it repugnant rhetoric. Mm -hmm that has been going on and you know exactly who I'm referring to. You know, when he said something like when the looting starts, the shooting starts, that's something that's just mind boggling to me. And I know I said change has to come. It has to come, right? I mean, one would hope, I don't think it, I don't think it happens overnight. I think it's something that's a process. Um, mind you, this is 300 plus years of systemic racism and institutionalized racism. So that's not going to happen overnight. Uh, this is something that's going to have to be constantly worked on and fought. Um, and unfortunately, it took a man's life for people, to, some people to wake up and realize that this is a serious nature. It's always been serious, but sometimes people, you know, there's some late bloomers. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, we lost a, a, a good people and we continue to lose good people uh, at the hands of those who have been sworn to protect us and not to where our tax dollars go to pay their salaries. Uh, because they don't see us as people. A lot of those, a lot of these police officers see us as subhumans. Um, they don't see us as equal people. They don't see us as taxpaying citizens. I um, mean, that's part of the problem. And when you have a superior mentality and you feel that everybody that you serve is inferior, you know, that's this is why we're in the position that we're currently in. This is why people are reacting the way they're reacting, because people are fed up. People are, are going through a lot. I mean, the poverty issue, is an issue that continues to get swept under the rug, but that's a major factor in why people are reacting the way they're reacting. For the most part, people are upset. People are frustrated. People are angry. Um, this has been going on far too long. Um, 
And this is the reason why you're going to have more outbursts the way you're going to have them because you have a situation where they're not being heard properly. It's unfortunate, too, because right when this all started, I began to think back from 1992, the L.A. riots of 92. We we were both in Southern California when this happened. This is very much seared in my memory. As soon as this started, my first thought was, this is worse than 92. And as as much as I want to say it, Rodney King at least had a voice back then. He at least lived and pleaded for everyone to famously say, can we all get along? And unfortunately, we don't have that opportunity. George Floyd didn't have much of a chance to say anything. All he said was, I can't breathe, which I think it's, it's senseless to me that this is even going on. As you hear fireworks going off in the background, L.A. County, man, you know, I don't know if you heard that or not. Yeah, there's fireworks going off. Yes, there's a lot going on right now. Yeah. But I think, you know, when you look at uh, what is going on in that situation, um, you know, it's really unfortunate. And I think, you know, 92 was a different situation. We didn't have the technology that we have now. Um, You know, people were just frustrated and angry where they were. So we didn't venture out beyond our communities. Uh, yeah. I think now with technology, people are moving in different places. Um, I think, you know, there are situations where you, um, you're you seeing different, you're seeing things happening that you probably wouldn't see before. You know, people you, are... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm saying you see um, the people are protesting. You see people, you know, making their voices heard. And, um, you know, that's that's one of the issues that we've had is just people not being heard. Do you think this is worse than 92? Uh, in some ways, I do believe it's worse than 92. I think, um, you know, I think some ways it is, it is more dangerous than it was in 92 because you're, this is something that goes on in the entire country. This is not like located in one city or one particular area, whether that be South Central or Compton or Watts or Long Beach. Um, this is widespread. This is something that, you know, this is all over the country, whether you're in Minnesota, whether you're in Philly, New York, uh, Chicago, LA, Oakland, um, Atlanta, you know, in Texas, um, you know, Florida, wherever you may be, you know, Louisville, Kentucky, um, these are widespread uh, things because this is something that relates to everybody. It's not just one region of the country. Um, obviously, in 92, uh, people did understand about Rodney King being assaulted and, dare I say, almost murdered uh, as he was beaten 56 times. But when you've had so many incidents from Trayvon Martin to Mike Brown to Ezel Ford to Sandra Bland to, you know, Tamir Rice and countless others, uh, Eric Gardner, you know, and, and Philando Castillo. And now you're moving here where we lost three people um, in a matter of just weeks or months. Um, you know, people are fed up. And I think this is far worse. And I don't, I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon because people 
feel like they've been silenced. They feel like they've been um, censored to a degree. And, um, you know, this is something that is not going to go away anytime soon because the system is broken. The system is corrupt. Uh, this is a, this is uh, something that has to be dealt with. And the fact that you didn't arrest all four of those officers in Minnesota, all of this could have been eradicated if you just would have simply made an arrest for four officers that blatantly killed a man on the ground who was subdued. If you would have charged them with first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder, we wouldn't be having this. The, the focus would be, okay, now we got to go after a conviction. But so I, I guess you, you thought it wasn't enough that one officer got arrested and he only got charged with third-degree murder. Nobody in their right mind who thinks that, that, that who who is it has a good heart and has some type of humanity about them believes that this man should have gotten a third degree murder charge and a manslaughter charge, along with that five hundred thousand dollar bail, which basically results in a fifty thousand uh, dollar release, and he's he's out of there. You know, and the other officers were still who were there, who were, who were a part of it are still remaining on the force. There's been no firing. There's been no assigned to death duty. There's been no investigation, none of it, you know, and that goes to show you that it, it makes us feel as black people and people of color that our lives don't mean a damn thing. It's not enough that he only got that charge, but for the other three officers to simply get fired. I mean, that's, that's all they just got fired and that was it. Nothing yeah. else. So what has to be done? What has to be done for not only the riots and protests to, I guess, calm down, but what can be done as a society to right the wrongs, if anything? Can it be resolved? We have 300 years worth of wrongs. So I don't know if that can be accomplished in a day or a year or a decade for that matter. But I mm -hmm. think the Department of Justice needs to do the right thing and charge all four officers with murder. Um, I think if they get a, a charge of murder, like I said, conspiracy, commit murder, um, maybe even attempted murder charges, um, I think that would show a lot of people, okay, they're serious about, you know, our lives. They're serious about this conviction. But at the same time, there's still house cleaning that needs to be done because it's not just about the four officers. This is about a system that has been designed and put in place to keep people of color and primarily black folks uh, under lock and key, under the uh, rest, oppression, racism, bigotry, racial injustice. And this is the same thing that Kaepernick told y'all he was kneeling for. And then he was ignored. So now, you know, now you have it where you have something to a degree where you can get to the bottom of it if it happens. Now, I'm saying this degree. I think that you need to make sure that you need to make sure that these officers are convicted and make sure that you're cleaning house. And I think every police department in this country needs to get an overhaul because there's so many bad cops that spoil a few people that happen to be good cops. It makes no sense. And what do you make of what I call repugnant rhetoric? And you know where I'm going with this. What do you think of the language that's being used in that regard? I mean, I'm not surprised. That's what he does. He's divisive. He's one of the most divisive, misogynistic, racist presidents we've, we've seen in our lifetime. Um, 
So I'm not surprised at what he's trying to do. He, that's what he does. He causes division. He says things that are not the most, that are not intelligent at all. Um, and he's, that's, that's what he does. So I'm not surprised. When he said that on Thursday night, that's when we started to see hell broke loose here in Southern California. We, that's when we started to see the riots was after he made that tweet. And I said, oh, no, why did he say this? I, I was shocked. That was my initial reaction, was shock. And I know that people are referring to cleaning house, and that's exactly what they're talking about. But what scares me the most, personally, I remember what happened in 92. I remember because, you know, I was, I was there, you were there. As soon as the officers were acquitted, that's when it got really bad. And that's what scares me the most, is they could get charged for murder, but it scares me that there is still a possibility that these officers could somehow be acquitted. That's what scares me. They absolutely could be acquitted. And it's going to be far worse if they are acquitted. Um, I'm not confident that, that he, that he would get, that he will be convicted because they're already prejudicing the jury. They brought out a bogus uh, coroner's report blaming Mr. Floyd's health conditions as if he was there, as if we didn't see him being asphyxiated and die of suffocation because of a knee being on it, on that, on that man's neck. Um, they're already, they didn't show the real mugshot. They didn't show the things that we, we are accustomed to seeing. So they, they're prejudicing the jury already. They're preparing for it. If you pay attention, they're already preparing for it. Yeah, that's what scares me the most. Uh, so any final thoughts on anything we talked about? Uh, the floor is yours. If there's anything else you want to speak out about, go right ahead. No, man, I think I've, I've, I think I've said enough, man. I just want <laughs> everybody to try to be peaceful. Um, but, you know, let let us protest the way that, that people need to protest. I'm not in agreement with the looting or the destruction of property. Um, unfortunately, that's happened. Uh, but the real protesters are the ones that are taking care of business and making sure the message gets across that injustice, um, racism will not be tolerated. And we have a voice and we're going to use our voice to the best of our ability. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Uh, one more time, where can everyone find you on not only social media, but as far as the airwaves go? Yeah, you can find me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. Uh, you can find me at nightfallmedia.com. Also, um, you can find me on, on various platforms. You can find me on AM570 Weekly as a guest analyst. Um, also, uh, the morning after with Nick Hamilton every Saturday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Good News Radio Network, um, as well as all streaming platforms and the Opposite Reaction Podcast, uh, which is a, a weekly podcast with myself and my host, uh, my other host, Jackie Ray, uh, where we talk about sports, politics, uh, pop culture, you know, just having fun. Nice. Well, sorry I couldn't get you on on a better topic, but hopefully when sports resumes and hopefully things get back to somewhat normal, maybe we could talk again about actual sports, oh, I guess. Absolutely. It'll be fun. I can't wait for the hockey season to get back started. That'd be fun. That's what we're all hoping for. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. We're, we're all hoping hockey comes back. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Once again, that was Nick Hamilton and I thank him for coming on. Uh, don't forget that you can hear this podcast or any of the previous episodes on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you hear your daily podcasts. And don't forget to 
rate, comment, subscribe if you have not already. Once again, we have three shows this coming week. This being the first one of the week. We have two more shows coming up later this week. So I hope you all are subscribed and listen in. And once again, thank you all for listening. I very much appreciate it. Let's all try to, you know, stay calm. Be kind to one another. I cannot stress this enough. Let's be kind to each other. And if you're going to protest, protest peacefully, please. And none of this looting going on. So once again, I thank you. And don't forget, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. So not only should everyone be kind to one another, but be safe out there. Practice social distancing. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have an okay rest of the day and hopefully have a good start to the week. And hey, Anaheim, Ducks fly together. Stay safe out there.